0: Frank Ling and I'm Charles Lee, and you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at world science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Bernard Heisch will join us to discuss proof of God. So stay tuned for all of this, plus the Grokatron five thousand, and our world famous question a week. Coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show. Back to the Grox Science Show. Well, is there a God? And if so, does he care about us? Or is human life a mere accident of physics and biology? Well, this is a, a centuries-old question, and the fundamental questions have been integral to every culture and religion the world has known. And in the new book, Proof of God, the shocking true answer to the world's important, most important question, New York Times best-selling author Ptolemy Tompkins joins forces with internationally acclaimed astrophysicist Dr. Bernard Heisch to dis- demonstrate that not only is God real, but that it is science itself that <coughs> proves us. We are pleased today to have joining us uh, one of the authors, Dr. Bernard Heisch. Dr. Heisch is an astrophysicist and author of more than 130 scientific publications. He's a scientific editor of the Astrophysics Journal for over 10 years. He's been the deputy director for the Center for Extreme Ultraviolet Astrophysics at UC Berkeley. And his new book, along with uh, Ptolemy Tompkins, is entitled Proof of God, The Shocking True Answer to the World's Most Important Question. And Dr. Heisch, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show.
1: my, My pleasure to be here.
0: Well, certainly our pleasure. Certainly a fascinating book you've written, Proof of God, along with co-author Tommy Tompkins. Uh, I'm I'm curious, first, uh, how did you become interested in this subject, and how did you wind up talking with your uh, co-author, Mr. Tompkins, about
1: this? Well, it's been a long road in my life. I mean, I knew ever since I was a kid, since I was uh, five or six years old, that I wanted to do two things in life. One was to uh, become a priest, Catholic priest. And the other was to become an astronomer because I was fascinated by space and used to watch all the things I could see about space on the, on the TV back in those days. And so it was just something that became a natural part of my life that I, I really hardly questioned until I went to the seminary itself when I, was, uh, when I was 18 years old and went to a Benedictine monastery where they had a seminary for her priests or her students wanting to become priests um actually being exposed to that in its own environment i realized there were things i I just wanted to do in life that um that i couldn't do in in those circumstances for example girls i mean that was a big drawback there were no girls in the seminary but i wanted to have you know a wife and a family so so i went off and left the 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 field of the priesthood i mean not actually by having become one but studying for the priesthood because i was a student at that time and went off to indiana university where i majored in astrophysics and that sort of took my life in that direction and uh you know, it's been spent a pretty rich full life doing astrophysical research. But now I'm coming back to some of the same issues that I've dealt with you know, since childhood, which is, well, what about God? And So that's what I'm trying to do in writing a uh, series of books here that uh, explore that from, from well, explore that.
0: And this is a ground uh, you've covered uh, earlier work, of course, uh, well-known, The God Theory. And uh, in some ways, is it more of an expansion of of your theory or or revisions of your theory? Or how has this evolved since uh, The God Theory came out?
1: Well, this particular one with the the Tompkins, The um, Proof of God, it's actually written in a very simple kind of way. It's written without any any equations or anything really technical. But it's it's a story of of about a week and a half that Ptolemy and I spent together when he was very much in, in the dumps from... Uh, marital problems with his life and uh, with his wife and we spent some time together and uh, didn't know we were going to do this and out of it emerged a book because he sort of picked my brain for what i was what i thought i knew about reality and astrophysics and how that relates to spirituality and so we, we spent this week and a half a very interesting time together trying to sort this out and out came the book
0: again the book is uh, has sort of somewhat of incendiary title a uh, proof of god i mean in what sense is this really a, a proof of god
1: well, I guess that depends upon you know, the reader. If you're I died in wool atheist, you're not going to like it because it's not, it's not going to prove anything to you, probably. On the other hand, if you have some opening to spirituality, and if you, um, you know, look with an open mind at what the implications of some of these things are, then you know you might say this adds to your own proof of what you believe. Um, there are basically four uh, elements to this. The first one is just the, the Big Bang itself. It, uh, it begins the origin of the universe, but where did it come from? What what made it happen? We we don't know either from a scientific or a spiritual perspective how that could be. It's a, it's a huge mystery how this could be because you're trying to make something happen before time started. Well, how do you have something happen if you don't have time available to make things you know change from one second to another? It's a huge mystery, and the explanation of, of most scientists would be, well, it's just a it's something that is a, it's a fluctuation of nature, a quantum fluctuation. And I would say, well, it's equally likely to assume it's a handiwork of God. I mean, neither one of us knows. And so uh, it's something that I think we could both claim on our side for, the, for evidence. Uh, but the most strong evidence comes from the amazing fine-tuning of the universe that uh, makes it, the universe basically friendly for life. We have physical constants and laws of nature that if they were much different than they are, in some cases by a very small amount, we wouldn't be here. There wouldn't be any Earth or, or any stars. So the, the amazing fine-tuning of the laws of nature that give rise to a universe like ours that's that's really strong strong evidence. And then there is a the, uh, matter of real evidence coming from near death near death experiences. And people have died and gone very close, if not into, very close to heaven, and they've seen things. They've seen things that are very much similar from one report to another. And this is becoming a very hot topic in, of investigation these days. So that's a that's number three. And number four would be well, and it helps if you are going to propose something as a solution if you can show that there's a real plausible mechanism for how it happens. And I think I have a new mechanism here for how you might create a universe if I'm going to be so bold. And uh, we can talk about that, but I think that's uh, proof number four, that that if you have a good, pretty good idea how you might do something like that, then uh, uh, that, that certainly adds to the, the belief.
0: In some sense, some of these things uh, harken back to some of the old anthropic principles, which are suggesting that, well, if, if the universe weren't fit for life, there'd be no life here to consider that there was uh, or was not a God in the first place.
1: Now, you can do that. I, I and you know, I can't say that I have disproven that i understand all the arguments behind that i've written about this myself you know as an astrophysicist and so i know you can't you you, you can't uh, say that that argument is, is wrong it might well be correct that there are lots of other universes but the problem is that there are there are, there are such fantastic assumptions that go along with that for example in the um uh, many what's called the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics what you have is that every time a decision is made by anybody or anything you know a whole new universe is created which means that uh, you know, every time you, you scratch your nose or you know, decide to go left rather than right on the freeway, uh, there's going to be a new version of you that's created automatically. It's the opposite of what you have done. So it's to compensate for what you've done out of possibilities. It, it makes the other, all the possibilities real. Well, this is insane. Because if you look at how much, uh, how, much new, how many new universes you would uh, cause to arise every second, it's enormous. And each of those universes creates a new one and so on. It's just mean uh, to me, this boggles the mind much more than a god does. It's way beyond a god in terms of how uh how um, overly uh, well. This is beyond my belief in 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 that explanation that uh, that I can make.
0: Uh, so, so in in your view, how, what mechanism do you propose? Then, how would you make a universe? And how would uh, how would a god fit in it?
1: Yeah, this is the interesting part. Um, you know, we have all sorts of games these days that you can buy. They are becoming very sophisticated, you know, the, the, um, uh, the, uh, the games that the kids play. Well, they're becoming amazingly realistic. Well, suppose that instead of having um, little kids someplace in the in the future playing with a software that creates worlds and that creates conscious beings, which is what the, the artificial intelligence people are kind of arguing towards, uh, instead of that, you have a god who basically is a mathematician, because mathematics seems to be at the root of all things, and that as a mathematician would be able to create and, and, and execute his own uh, code system, his own program for a universe of, of, of tremendous dimensionality and tremendous uh, 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 capability, and thereby create a world that he can enter into that's not necessarily real, but it's a virtual game as, as anything would be, or as he would, whatever he would like. So instead of having to create a universe, you make a virtual universe. And that's something that we know how to do already, at least on the electronic side, how God would do it, given, you know, your substitution for his thoughts for electronics. You know, the details of that I don't know. But I think it's interesting that he would create a universe that's composed of nothing but, but uh, consciousness, where consciousness can create these artificial universes that you then live in. And I suppose this is how God would learn how to be or learn his own uh, abilities, his own characteristics, by seeing how he, how he behaves when distributed over the billions of, people and machines, and billions of people and plants and animals that are little sparks of God.
0: And so in this sense, all of reality is just a simulation in some sense?
1: I'd say the reality is a simulation, but of course the beings are real. I mean, I, I see us as being real sparks of God, immortal sparks of God. But what we do is we enter into a play when we come to this earth, or wherever else there might be such a thing taking place. And based upon what we've done to co-create this with God, we have a very rich world. It opens all sorts of possibilities for life forms to, to grow and evolve and play and so on. And so that's how I see the, the origin of this. It all, it all goes back to one, one single God, one single uh, great uh, consciousness. But it, it, it shows itself, it manifests itself, in lots and lots of, 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 uh, of things that evolve from that situation.
0: Doesn't this also then uh, harken back to the old argument, then, okay, if, if there's a God who's simulating us, well, where did the God originally come from? We're, we're left with uh, taking a step back and trying to explain that.
1: And that's, that's the big bugaboo. Now, just remember, this, this applies to both sides. If you want just a purely scientific explanation, we don't have one. We have no idea how you can create a Big Bang and how you can cause a Big Bang to happen before time starts. I mean, nobody knows that. Nobody. Now, my proposal is, well, knowing how, having a universe start because of some thing that God does, It's no more mysterious. I mean, in both cases, we have something that is completely unknown to us, how how it works. And so I would say, well, you know, you can believe the other, that uh, the universe came about simply by virtue of uh, some kind of quantum fluctuation. It's all totally random. Or you can say, well, at some point, God decided to create one of these worlds that he does. And uh, take your pick. I mean, it's really, take your pick.
0: Well, in that sense, then, does it then come down to the eventual leap of faith?
1: It could, yeah. For some people, it would. I think that, that it could be a more Yes, I, I agree with that. It's not necessarily a bad thing, though.
0: So what do you think, quired I mean, this is certainly one of those topics that, in science at least, oftentimes tends to be taboo. Do you think there is something in it for scientists to look at? And what would you, what would you ask the scientists to look at in terms of trying to come to a scientific, at least, exploration of God?
1: Well, the key is to try to understand consciousness. And right now, consciousness is being examined from the perspective that uh, it's created by the mind, by the brain and what are the, the, uh, the what are the markers the tracers of, of thought in the brain and so on and my, my view is that this is totally backwards that consciousness is a thing that's created the universe probably via this mechanism that I proposed of uh, you know, fine-tuning the laws of nature so that you'll get, get a world out of this that is conducive to life and that's uh, that is the well the basis for your reality then would be that creation event or if you want, it can be some fluctuation in a, in a quantum field. But remember, if you don't have anything to start with, you know, I, I would say a quantum fluctuation cannot arise without a quantum field. A, that nothing comes out of nothing. I think Shakespeare wrote that. And then on the God side, I would say, yeah, you're stuck with the same problem with God, but, well, you know, as I say, take your, take your pick.
0: So do you think this uh, bridge that currently exists, dichotomy between science and spirituality, can ever be bridged? Well, I
1: think it has to be, because I think that if consciousness is real, and we're going to learn more and more about it in this century, of course, even beyond that. And I think that understanding what consciousness is, and then putting aside, I think this, this whole mixed paradigmatic basis that, that somehow the universe is created by a, by a, a, a quantum fluctuation, that, that once we see that consciousness cannot be created in that way, but rather the other way around purely by evidence accumulating, that's going to be the big, the big change. When we look at the consciousness as a thing that science is, is going to study and understand, not by explaining it away, but rather by seeing it as the source of everything.
0: So in a sense, everything is God.
1: Everything is, everything is sparks of God. I think there everything is sparks of God, and then there is the, cre- the world of creation, which is not a real world after all. It's a, it's a virtual world, and that's in fact what the, what the Hindus said 3,000 years ago. The world is Maya, illusion. It's illusion with a point, illusion with a purpose, and that purpose involves, I guess, ourselves learning our own characteristics, our nature as a, as human beings, and taking that knowledge back to God, and sort of presenting God with His own evidence of what He what He is, how grand or greater, perhaps not even that all the time, from the uh, evidence of our lives. That's how we how we probably give rise to uh, or help create the Creator.
0: So, is this distinguished from saying just calling it instead of God, just the universe?
1: I would prefer not to call it the universe because the universe is this physical system that we live in. As defined by the uh, astronomical observations that we have, but you can call it something else in the same a similar characteristic. I just would object to the, uh, the universe because that name is taken.
0: If individuals are interested in learning more about your theory or exploring more more of this idea, is there a place they can go and take a look?
1: Well, I can look at my book, The um, Proof of God, which uh, come, which came out about three weeks ago and is uh, on sale now in bookstores. It's a good place
0: to start. All right. Well, I, I certainly hope they'll, they'll go take a look. The new book is called Proof of God, The Shocking True Answer to the World's Most Important Question. The author is Tommy Tompkins and uh, our guest today, Dr. Bernard Heisch. And uh, Dr. Heisch, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Well,
1: it's has a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.